gigantic. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's gigantic. Every about. once in a while today, I've been looking at it, and you are you pointing it. You're making sure it's front and center all day long. I'm not, no, I'm not. And it's very. I, mean, I was being a little uh, hokey about it with you know. It's but no, very was... funny, and those those stones are i don't know how many carrots they are but you could see it clear across the room i would not want to get punched by you if you were wearing that somebody better not try to somebody better not try to take my ring and they won't get punched yeah boy it's it's a it's a head turner uh what is it uh 18 carrots right there baby wow it's blinding (laughs) but you're loving it i know i do Uh, it's new year's eve and we've been new year's eve i've been having uh first world problems i wanted to go to the gym but they closed it too and then i wanted to go to the driving range they also closed it too i know you were pointing out it's like not the worst thing that happens really we are very 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 first world problems it's very funny and i uh lousy weather outside but um it is yeah and it's really funny it always makes you know like when you have a problem and somebody else says oh yeah i have that same problem yeah. too and then you don't feel bad oh we are driving i can't i cannot if it is dark yeah and it is rainy i cannot see that was particularly bad i was having trouble too and i'm scared to death about my vision anyway because yeah. i have all these vision issues and you know with my, let's not forget the miracle contacts i even have my contacts <laughs> in so i shouldn't be having any vision problems and i there was a couple times i was driving it and you know and i hadn't yeah. had anything to drink yet and i'm like kevin i'm like kevin i really can't see and i'm like well. you're and not the like, only one in this car he's like i can't either I'm like okay we, we were using echolocation for a while <laughs> jack Kevin's unrolled hanging. the window was screeching out into the darkness trying to see if he could echolocate them. <laughs> that's really really funny oh that's funny oh, kevin boy. you actually made me laugh that's really oh funny. wow well, just... that was a real laugh that was funny <laughs> 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 I still want for the road. I want to. I still want to go Bigfoot hunting and have you riding in your VW with the top down and, uh, and a martini and you're here Bigfoot while you're driving Bigfoot, through a field. Bigfoot, Bigfoot, here Bigfoot. Because you're not hiking up into those mountains. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Speaking of mountains, the crime we are going to cover tonight it took place outside of Spokane. <gasps> you know what? What? My best friend Jessica lived in Spokane for many, many, many years. And did you ever hear back from her? You told her we were doing this episode. Uh, no, she's up she to lived her eyeballs with stuff right now. Okay. She, she did not mention it, uh, but I it had to have been huge local. Though. It was, it, it was, and she lived. She was actually living. She there lived when in this... Spokane, and this is Newman Lake. Yes, Newman Lake, which is I, I get the feeling it's like a suburb, a distant suburb of Spokane. It it is. But this story was a big deal. It is. It is the way she describes Spokane to me was always kind of like hippies. Yeah, hippies have bought homes, and yeah, yeah. you know, and. And, that's, um, that's the vibe I, I've always yeah. gotten from Spokane as well. And it's but it, it an arid seems... desert. She'd always say that. And, and people it's don't realize it's an arid desert. Yeah. We have completely different weather in Spokane than it is in, yeah. in Seattle. No, the, the, that's the cool thing about the the, nor- the Northwest. The Once you get over the mountains, it becomes arid and dry. Right. It's just the microclimates right. out West fascinate me, especially like Los Angeles. It'll be 72 degrees at the port of Los Angeles, and it'll be 98 degrees in the valley, you know? Yeah. And you, they'll, they'll, the weather map when you're out there, it's just like that's, that's like the whole nation there is a i i'm not going to try and remember that i'm I, there's no way i'm going to remember the name so i'm not going to try to make one up but there is a valley you have to go through from the mm-hmm. western part of the state to the north to the to the yeah to the eastern eastern part of the state to the western part of the state and she was always talking she's like it's it's like it's like a covered wagon yeah is the pass clear is yeah. the pass yeah, yeah yeah oh the mountain pass they're like you won't yes. be able to get through there's like 12 feet of snow because there was a time or two 
she set out and couldn't make she's like the weather's fine what's yeah. the problem and the past was it's amazing that the climate's in, out the past there was impassable the american west is amazing didn't she get stalked she was out for a walk when in washington state and there was like a bear stalking her or something there was <laughs> there was an emu an emu stalking there was her. a wild uh, it was an oh, emu, okay an emu, <laughs> even scarier <laughs> an emu in the wild and the unfortunate part was that it had an arrow stuck oh, through it. Oh, right. And they were trying to, like, because the I emu thought it was, saw... was it stalking her? No, that was the moose. The moose was stalking her. It was the moose. Okay, yeah, I knew she, she was being stalked by something. She's out there in the middle of nowhere, and she'd go on these nature hikes. And, oh, yeah. I don't know, I, I, I walked about 15 miles into the woods. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. She's like, well, if a, if a, if a mountain lion gets me, I'm like, okay, But well, that's a real thing. It is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's being kind of cavalier about it, but... She was walking down the, it was a, it was a road that was in a, you know, wooded area. And she was walking down the road and she had her headphones on. Mm -hmm. And uh, somebody stopped in front of her and was like, try, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm actually doing hand Wave, gestures. Waving wildly. I'm waving wildly. <laughs> and Jessica's like, you know, her first thought, she's a Jersey chick. The first thought was, who are yeah. you and what the fuck do you want? Yeah. She's very and, street smart. Yeah. She, yeah. And, and she, and the guy was like pointing behind yeah. her and she looked and a moose, I believe it was a female moose. Yeah. A moose was following her, was probably about 10 feet behind yeah. her. Yeah. And she just, and, I just, and kept, they can do some damage. They They're can. huge. And she just kept walking, and she just kept walking, and the guy, she eventually got behind the truck, and then when the right. truck, where the guy was, and she's like, I didn't hear it, yeah. it I don't think it meant anything, because, you know, she was just, doo -doo 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 -doo, yeah, I don't but, know. You know. Fun fact, did you know a mountain lion cougars are not big cats? They're part of the same genus as domestic cats, and like ocelots and stuff, they're not, you know, leopards, um, lions, so mountain tigers. lions can be tamed? They can be. But what I'm saying is they're not a big cat. They are just a large cat. Are they different cat. from cheetahs? Uh, cheetahs are a big cat. Leopards are a big cat. Um, but I thought cheetahs jaguars were easily. Are they are. They're they're the smallest of the big cats. Oh. And um, tigers are big cats. But a lot of people think mountain lions, cougars, are big right. cats. They're not. They're just a gigantic kind of house like a house cat. cat. But they are capable of killing people, and they regularly right. do. Right. Which is terrifying. That's absolutely but, terrifying. Anyway, let's get to the story. Let's go I walk through the woods in the Midwest. <laughs> okay, it's February 9th, nineteen ninety nine. Oh, I forgot. I got to you do it. You didn't do it right. Am, am I new here? I this is my first day on the job. HR. HR. <laughs> All right, it's Forensic Files. Forensic Files. Season ten. Season ten. Episode twelve. Episode twelve. And the pun is gonna. It ends up oh, being kind of dark, bad. but it's serial killer. Serial killer. It's really bad. Um, That's a really bad title. Okay, um, it's, this it's is actually, a twist. It's this a, is of all like this you know. Is a bad I, one. It, this is a pretty dark one. I'm this so glad. A, I'm so glad this guy was an idiot. He was because he this just is a pretty dark let one. him right okay, through. Okay, go ahead. February 9th, nineteen ninety nine. We're in Newman Lake, which is just outside of Spokane. Spoken. It's a quiet community, and that's why Bob Wood moved his family there after a very bitter, contentious divorce. He has full custody of his two children, Teresa, who is 16, and Christopher, who is 11. Now, that morning, Teresa left for school at 8 a.m. Bob later told investigators he left at 8.20. He apparently worked about an hour away. This was their standard schedule. Standard schedule. And then Christopher would usually leave for school at 8.30. At 8.30 that morning, the neighbors call 911 and say, the house is on fire. And the principal from Christopher's school actually came to the house saying, Christopher never made it to school. He might be in there. Right. And so they called Bob and he on his cell phone and he immediately turned around and came back to the house. 
and the house is completely consumed. So now we hear from Joe Lynn Wood, who is Bob's ex-wife. I kind of figured that Christopher had accidentally set the fire. Because a couple weeks before that, Bob had called me and said he was having problems with Christopher and matches. Christopher wanted to set fires. She thought that maybe Christopher had accidentally or had set the fire intentionally. Apparently, Bob had told her a couple of weeks prior that she was having trouble with Christopher and matches. I guess he was a bit of... The, but the kid, the, in my research, the kid was kind of like, he was a little bit of a, a, a goofball, mm-hmm. but he was kind of well-liked. Yeah, no, he was a popular, he yeah. was a good kid. Yeah. And th- I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, he wasn't having problems with the Christopher and matches. No. Christopher was not a pyro. So Bob learned about the fire while he was driving. They didn't find Christopher in the house. And we get this little clip of Bob from the local news station who are covering the story. Now, he's wearing that douchey Polaris oversized, like, NASCAR jacket. He looks like a dick, right? Well. So he's just saying, Christopher, you know, you just need to come home. He's probably hiding somewhere. He's embarrassed that he set the house on fire. And, well, here it is. He doesn't need to worry about the house or what was what happened here. He just needs to get himself home. So I don't like it already. I... I, I <laughs> Well, so, a lot of the things they kept saying, they they didn't keep saying. They, they kept saying in these situations, kids who have these problems mm-hmm. have a tendency to either hide in the house uh-huh. or go hide someplace. Right. And in this particular situation, if he was hiding in the house, he would have died, died. from either smoke and inhalation was- or burning. And if he and if he was hiding in the woods or something like that, it's Spokane, Washington, in the middle of the winter. And they're worried he, he could die from easily, exposure. Yeah, from so exposure. that was the urgency. Okay. So the town organized the biggest manhunt in history. They call it a manhunt. A motorist discovers Christopher's backpack about five miles away by the side of the road, but there is no sign of Christopher. Dallas Cowboys backpack. <laughs> so the investigators need to decide if this is arson or not. So they bring in an accelerant sniffing dog. The dog doesn't find anything, but they find doesn't that find telltale. They does, doesn't find a body or an accelerant. Or, or an accelerant. He, he was there to sniff for accelerants. Like gasoline or whatever. Okay. But they did find that telltale V-shaped uh, right. burn on the wall next to the couch. And when fires start on couches, it's almost always arson. Here's Lance Hart from the ATF. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. They have now updated that to the much more fun alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosives. There was a V-pattern originating from the sofa, which was a, against a wall. And there was a very distinct line or mark of demarcation along the, on the wall that pointed to a particular end of the sofa. So, when a fire starts on a stove, uh, when a fire starts, starts on, on a, a sofa, <laughs> when a fire starts on a loofah, when a fire loofah? starts on a sofa, remember when I always said couch, couch, me too. Oh, my grandmother used to say Davenport. Right. Did you I ever hear say, Davenport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because Davenport, da- Davenport, Iowa was where there was apparently a huge couch factory. Right. And people would just call them Davenport. Davenport's, Chesterfield's, and uh, yeah. I always said couch. I got, I, we said couch. I, I kind of say sofa now. I, couch, so we couch sophi- up. Am I sophisticated now because I say sofa I instead of couch? Couch is more sophisticated than sofa, I think. Remember when loofahs were all the rage in the 70s? Loofahs? Loofahs. Oh, <laughs> that has nothing to do with I the- know. Okay, pop-up right, videos. Right, right, right. So uh, investigators do suspect it's arson. Sadly, a few days later, a snow a guy running a snowplow on a remote road discovers Christopher's body. It's about 15 miles away. And Michelle Kellogg, Bob's ex-girlfriend, actually was quite choked up about it. I, I, it seems like she was more worried about it than Bob was. I, I remember it. I was brokenhearted. 
So now we have Sergeant Tom Thompson. Now stick with me on this. Don't you love it when somebody has a last name like Davidson and they name their kid David? David Dick. There's Tom Thompson. Well, you have all those friends at the Elks that have that. Oh, uh, Pete Peterson. The story, the legend Pete of Pete Peterson, Peterson was Dick, this. Dick, so my, my my friend was calling him Pete when I first joined, and he's like, "Hey, Pete," and I was like, "Oh, hey, Pete, what's your last name?" And he said, "Peterson." I was like. Your parents named you Pete Peterson? He's like, no, my first name's Alan. And I was like, oh, so they just, he's like, oh, they just call me Pete. But that's not a common. But I just called him Pete Peterson, and then everybody called him Pete Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, Tom, Thomas Thompson, David Davidson, um, Eric Erickson. It's just, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. I don't know. It's very funny. But anyway, here he is. It appeared that Christopher had not been murdered there, as there was very little disturbance in the snow, only enough to show that somebody had stopped there and dumped the body off the side of the road. So it looks like Christopher has been strangled. And during the autopsy, there was no indication that Christopher had started the fire. There was no soot in his lungs. There was no soot on his clothing. And here is Edward Hayes. He's the senior deputy prosecutor. That's a mouthful. Examination of Chris's hands showed no sooting or fire products on his hands. He had no sooting in his lungs, no carbon dioxide in his blood. They discover that Christopher's shoes are on the wrong feet. And now, is that just... Well, the, the interesting part... Well, interesting... As soon as they said that, I went, oh, no, this is a sexual abuse yeah. thing. That, but they were like, well, he was abducted. So right. the, the abductor just, yeah. had, you know, incapacitated Christopher and then, you know, unwittingly had put the shoes on the wrong feet. Now they're worried that there is a uh, possibly a sexual predator or right. a deviant in the neighborhood. But the autopsy shows that there was no, he was not sexually assaulted. So they take that off the table and they check with the uh, sex offenders in the area that registered. Everybody checks out. So it's not that. So now they start to question Teresa and Bob about that morning. Teresa said she left at 8. Bob said he left at 8.20. But prosecutors are wondering why it took Bob almost two, two hours. hours after he got that phone call to get back to town. He can't they account it, for it. Yeah, the guy, the, the one guy said it shouldn't have taken him more than 66 minutes. 60, that's how precise they that's were. That's how precise it was. From his, the location that he said he was, it was supposed to be 66 minutes. We now learn this very disturbing detail. Bob has life insurance on Christopher in the amount of $80,000. And we've learned this from other episodes. <laughs> insurance people, they're like... Parents rarely take insurance out on their kids. I, I know your parents had it on you, but that's very rare. And insurance people have told us in other episodes, it's 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 not a common thing for parents to insure their children because okay. you know. Well, my particular life insurance, I still have it. Mm-hmm. The policy turned into it's it's a life insurance policy that it, I guess it's a. I am still I still have the policy. It's it was intended for burial costs if the if that happened. Right. But now I think it comes to term and I can get the money back out of it. I mean not yet, but you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things. So I don't think of it as being that creepy that I have Well, I, I don't mean it's creepy, it's just rare. And we learn now that Bob is living well beyond his means. He makes $100,000 a year selling real estate. Michelle tells us that he has built uh, this huge garage out back. He's got sports cars in there. He's got snowmobiles. The garage is big enough to house a camper, two or three cars, and all of his, like, you know, he's probably, he's got snowmobiles yep, and, he's got, and ATVs like, and things like that. He also put in a huge garage in the back that would take an RV and snowmobiles and all his little hobbies. He liked to do uh, restore cars. And that was also in the back of the garage. 
We also learn that Bob has been fired from his real estate firm because he's been embezzling money from them. Not only has he been embezzling money from them, they, in my research, it's led to believe that the garage that was built was built from materials... That he stole? That he stole from... From builders? No, no, no. This real estate company that he worked for, yeah. he wasn't a real estate agent. He, uh, it was like, uh, repair maintenance. He oh. was the guy who would fix things and build things. And so, and, um, he basically, they're saying that that garage was all built with stolen, stolen material. Materials? Wow. Oh, and I want to go back to this because you, uh, I didn't say it. I, we went over it quicker than I thought. Okay. The body, the, uh, Christopher's body was found by the guy doing the snowplow guy. Uh-huh. And it was a complete accident. The snowplow guy had stopped for a second to, to adjust his shirt, like to pull uh-huh. his shirt up or down uh-huh. or adjust his jacket yeah. or something. And something caught his eye. And that's, if he, had, if he had not stopped, Christopher probably wouldn't have been found. He would not spring. have been found. Yeah. 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 In my research. Yes. Okay. Well, the, um, people at the real estate, uh, firm where he was fired from told the fire marshals to pay close attention to Bob <laughs> because he probably set that fire to collect the insurance right. on the house. Be- and he had, it, not only had he embezzled money, so he uh, embezzled almost $100,000. How? How? And the other thing is all the stuff, and everybody kind of knew about it. Yeah. It wasn't like it was it's a like big open secret. secret. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the fact that he got fired all of a sudden, there had to have been something else to the story. Yeah, yeah. That, because well, everybody again, seemed to files, know. they got to kind of gloss yeah, yeah, over yeah, yeah, it to yeah, get yeah. it in. We learn that Bob has given a neighbor. How about this with the briefcase? Bob conveniently hands a neighbor a briefcase that was supposedly in the house during the fire, and he wants him to hold on to it for safekeeping. What's in the briefcase? It's important documents. The pristine briefcase has all of the insurance documents related to Christopher, a picture of Christopher, and that's all. That's all I'm going to say. That was that was there was no the so the entire house okay I'm not no, I know the whole house is consumed and here is this pristine and it clearly Bob had it in his truck he had it in his truck beforehand yeah here's the next boneheaded thing that he's done oh, Tom Thompson tell us what it is Bob had dropped off uh, some film to be developed I believe it was the day after the fire and they were found to include. Uh, photographs of the interior of his house, including before the fire and shots from the same same angle after the fire. So yeah, he took a roll of film, he took pictures around his house before the fire, then he went around after the fire and took photos from the exact same on angles. The, no, 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 that isn't the worst part. On the same, same roll, roll of the same film. Roll. And they show the photos side by, by side, side and they perfectly line he up. Because stood in the same place. To, and, and the guy that was, the was guy, reported in by the, the guy at the photo booth. The, photo booth. Guy at the photo booth was aware of the crime and he was like, look at this and he's going through A it. little small town. Why would he drop film off the day after his kid hey, got the, Thank God he did. Oh uh, anyway, good God. job, photo booth guy. Really? So investigators now discover what they keep calling stomach contents. Why didn't they oh, yeah. just call it vomit? Well, I think they were trying to have some I, level of clinic. Not to say decorum, but you know, yeah. So they didn't want to say puke, you know. So they find some vomit on the back of one of Bob's cars in his garage and also in the bed of his truck. And again, more from delightful Tom Thompson. <laughs> I love him. I knew that the fluids in the stomach would destroy DNA. At least I strongly suspect that. And a couple of quick phone calls confer- confirmed that. However, I ended up calling all over the country trying to find anybody that could tell me anything about 
the evidentiary value of vomit. So they were determined to find some sort of evidentiary value to this vomit, right? They're like, it's going to, it's, it, there's not going to no, be DNA. There's no it, DNA. Stomach acid will dissolve the DNA, right? Right. So uh, they knew they couldn't get any DNA. They but wanted- stomach contents are very important. Usually in any, in crime, stomach content is very important because the, the rate of, the rate of, uh, of, uh, the acids eating the stuff in the food. What's the word? The digestion, the, the, the speed of the digestion of the food in the stomach is easy to. So, okay. Oh, the well, timeline. The timeline. Time it should right? take this long for this to be eaten, to, to be destroyed by the stomach acids. And this, the, the contents of his stomach were still solid or fairly undigested. Undigested. So they give these samples to William Shank, who is a forensic microscopist. And he examined the vomit under a microscope. And to him, it looked like unprocessed grains. So he did a little analysis, and this is what he found. What I found were small little vegetative fragments, oat bran and flour particles and starch grains. And when you put a small drop of this solution on the vomit material, the starches will turn kind of a purple, purplish blue color. So they concluded that the vomit on Chris's shirt and that from the truck was from a cereal called Marshmallow, Marshmallow Mateys. Now remember more than it's, a few years ago they were trying to get people to buy ba- yeah. bags of cereal. I, They're like, I do it. Come yes. all the way down. It's below the boxed cereal. It's in a bag. It's and the it's cheaper. exact same cereal. I buy Multimill cereals. It's a huge bag of the same cereal. You know the, the cereal? Yes. <laughs> it's in this and uh I don't I I don't know if Marshmallow Mateys is still the name, but it's mm-hmm. Lucky Charms. Yeah. It's Lucky Charms Marshmallow cereal. Mateys. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. <laughs> Reenactment Chris looks exactly like a real life Chris. Good job. <laughs> he really did. Forensic Files is usually really good with that. Um, Reenactment Bob did not look like Bob. That yeah. was, so they're generic one up white one guy, down. generic dumb looking white guy. Yeah. So they were able to tie all three of these vomit samples together. And this is kind of crucial for because the case. Of the cereal. So investigators are now zeroing in on Bob. They're thinking he killed Christopher. But his truck has an open bed. They weren't sure how he transported Christopher to the dump site, what they were calling the dump site, which I always find creepy. They noticed that there was only one trash can in the garage, and they asked the neighbors, and the neighbors were like, there's usually two, but here's Tom Thompson. (laughs) Christopher had been murdered uh, in the morning, and Bob Wood's truck had an open bed, so we knew that he had had to have concealed the body somehow. Uh, We started looking for the garbage cans at his place and found that there was only one there. Neighbors reported that he normally put two out on the curb. So according to Teresa, Bob had gone to the car wash the day after the fire and washed out the bed of his truck. Investigators went to that car wash, and what did boneheaded Bob do? He washed out the bed of his truck, he washed out the garbage can, and then he just kind of chucked it to the side of the the car wash place. Now, I don't know about you. Uh Uh-huh. I know my garbage can. Right. I know what the garbage cans look like in my neighborhood. Yeah. So if I see a garbage can in my neighborhood, I'm like, well, that's new. That's not the one that was there before, et cetera, et cetera. My garbage cans, I have scratched my house number in, so I know which ones are mine. It's not that I'm anal-retentive about my garbage cans. You're not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well... I know what's in my garbage cans because sometimes people put nasty stuff in their garbage mm-hmm. cans. I leave mine open when it rains so it can wash them out right. a little bit so huh. they're not gross. Right. So it's so my garbage cans, if somebody found my garbage can someplace else. I'm not sure else, how the investigators thought to ask, is there another garbage can? But I think they were like, how did they get them out of here? Where is there possibly another garbage can? Well, you know, I think like asking the neighbors. like, like my, our neighborhood, my neighborhood. Uh-huh. There's two car. There's two garbage cans. Right. One for so recycling, one for the garbage. Yeah. Where's the second? Where's the second garbage can? 
So, well, they found this uh, garbage can, and there's more vomit in it, and it again matches that on Chris's shirt and that from the truck. And they also found sequins that match those from Christopher's backpack. So now investigators are absolutely certain that Christopher was in that garbage can at some point, which is just terrible. And here is Edward Hay again, the prosecutor, who uses the disturbing word jettison repeatedly. In other words, it put him in the location where Chris was was jettisoned at about the time that Chris would have been jettisoned. So when Bob got that phone call when he was driving to work, so apparently, I didn't realize, you told me this, that even if you don't answer the call, the phone pings. Right, and because the phone's so even if he hadn't answered, it would off the cell tower. Yeah, so he was in the area where Christopher was he, found yeah. when he got that phone call, and it was not on his way to work. Right. So they're not taking any chances with this. The ATF goes and buys three identical couches they set up a reenactment of the entire home. Do you remember how elaborate that was? Huh. They wanted to see that if Bob had see, left and I think about that a lot, too. Like, like you know, if you're... I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but if your sofa is a, of a poorer quality uh, synthetic, sofa... Yeah. Synthetic, lots of... It seems to catch fire faster. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean... I, and I, these sofas had that synthetic... They, were, they that, were synthetic. They were that... Uh, that poly, not polyester, polyester, yeah. Well, no, 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 but it was a tapestry kind of a fabric. But it's all artificial. Right, and it's all, all, it all and just goes And up. it just seems to me like that would catch on fire really quickly. I'm here to tell you. They ran the test yeah. and it did. They said if he left at 820 like he said he did, could that fire, that couch being set on fire, cause that much flame, that much destruction in 10 minutes? And they ran three three tests and they were like, it was more than yeah. enough. So, so, he so easily could have left. Timeline, using the timeline of the burn pattern and how fast the sofas burn, they were able to put a timeline on when the police calls were yeah. made about so the he, house he being absolutely could have left the house at 820. That would have been the fire. Now we get this little um, interview with him through the glass and he's saying he's innocent, that Christopher deserved to live. I would never do anything to hurt my son. He was very special. He was a good boy. And he deserved to have a life. He really did. Yeah, that's a lot to take. I, I can't imagine... <laughs> Your child, and he's kind of he's bored. He's detached. Is, is bored the right? I mean, he's kind of like. And uh, he's just, there's no emotion. There's just a blank effect. He's just, you know, he's a monster. Mm. So, in classic Forensic Files fashion, we're get, they're doing the wrap up. Bob waits until Teresa left. He strangles Chris, puts Chris's sneakers on the wrong feet, puts him in the garbage can in the big garage out back, drives him, just takes the garbage can down into the woods, slides him out, takes it back. Then a few miles later, he just flings Christopher's backpack Backpack. out the window. And he didn't realize that there was vomit on his truck, on Christopher's shirt. He didn't, he wasn't paying attention. Michelle is here saying she didn't know why Bob did this. I really don't know why he killed him. The insurance money wasn't enough to get him out of trouble on Christopher. I do not know why, unless he was just absolutely pure evil. Yeah, it was only eighty thousand dollars, and she's like, "It's That's unless not he was even just enough to help." It wouldn't have even got because he was well over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. He was well over a hundred thousand dollars in debt, no job. Yep, <laughs> lost his job. And and so she was like, "Unless he was, unless he was pure evil." Here's Tom Thompson one last time. The closest Bob Wood ever came to confessing was discovered after he had killed himself. Uh, We received a phone call from a psychic who said that she had visited with him in jail and he told her at that time that there were only three people who knew 
what happened to Christopher, and that was him, Christopher, and God. So yeah, a psychic said later that Bob said to him, or her, in jail, only three people know what happened to Christopher. Christopher, God, and me. That's as close to a confession as they ever got yeah. from that piece of shit. Well, he hung himself before he could go to trial. You know, I don't mean to sound horrible, but good. Yeah, but I, yeah, I kind of wish. Glad you know, he would have gotten. Himself. He would have. They would have beaten his ass up in prison, though. Well, you know, Child you, killers, you say that, but there's a lot of people in prison who've killed their kids. Yeah. So I don't know about that, but you know it. Uh, uh, it sounds very horrible to no, say that. No, no, that was for bad him news. To have killed himself. That is that is that is not a bad thing that he did. That. Well, I, you know that's if that isn't a confession, that's a horrible, I don't know horrible what horrible thing to say, and I apologize. Uh, well, no, but what a sh- what a just a horrible he, human. He's a horrible human being. Here's Michelle. It gets a little darker. Gets a little darker if that's possible. The cops do believe that if I would have married him, I would have been killed too. I don't know if that's true. It's all speculation, but they believed it would have been much worse. Um. Documents had been missing from my house. Personal documents, social security information, social security card uh, was missing. So yeah, she was, the cops were saying, you know what, Michelle? She had, he had proposed to her a couple weeks before this happened. She said no. They think that she was going to be the victim. She said I was missing stuff. My social Social security security was missing. And they were thinking he was going to marry her, get an even bigger policy on her and kill her. (laughs) Which is just so, but he was, he told the wife, his ex-wife, that he was having trouble with Christopher weeks before he actually went through with this. This was super premeditated. This was not like a spur of the moment thing. And nobody seemed to agree that Christopher was a problem. No, he was not a problem child. You know, he was, he was a kid. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a problem child. Yeah. And and, and that that Teresa could do no wrong. Christopher could do nothing right. Right. And Michelle said, like, he was really, really, really hard on Christopher. Chris, yeah. yeah. Anyway, here's the self-congratulatory closing. Forensic scientists are amazing. I've been doing this for 20-plus years, and there's always something new that they bring to this to a case. There's a lot of personal you know, pleasure involved in helping to solve a crime of course i'm one small piece of a larger puzzle but in this particular case i think a lot of the work i did was you know very important feel pretty good about that there were no witnesses to to see christopher's body being pulled out of the house there were no witnesses to his body being dumped down an embankment um it was science basically that solved this case and uh yeah i mean that's fascinating stuff okay good job guys it was a good job and but this guy kind of led you right to it wow you know, and, and it's 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 just uh, he got everything he got everything he deserved. Yeah, he got yeah, everything he, really, he deserved. He really but anyway, that's it. the very very dark okay. twisted tale of Christopher Wood, poor kid. I'm sure he's in heaven, and I hope Bob, you're in the opposite direction. But <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. Wait. Oh, I have research. All right, let's hear some research. So not that not that being bad financially, that's not a bad thing. But this is a guy who committed uh he, you know he had committed these things for insurance you know they're saying he did this for insurance the insurance fraud. proceeds he had twice filed for bankruptcy protection and had a criminal history of fraud and theft wow 
So we were thinking, you know, when we see this, oh, he's just a nice guy and these no. bad things have come to him. His neighbors all loved him. Okay. He was the neighbor who would come over and fix things, oh, help, help, okay. help build the deck. He had barbecues, all that kind of stuff. The house that he had apparently was one of the deals where you buy the smallest house, smallest, crappiest house in the neighborhood. Uh-huh. And it, it, he had, I think, doubled or tripled the size of the house and that it was considered a show place oh, by, okay. by the neighborhood standards. Uh, he was a great neighbor. Bob did everything for people. He uh, had not threatened suicide and was not on a suicide watch in right. prison. And he was fine an hour beforehand. So they'd done a check yeah. and he was fine and well, he killed himself. I, you know, uh, if that isn't an admission of guilt, well, I don't no, know what no, it no. is. Well, yeah. he was twice divorced. Yeah. He was a father of six. Wow. So we know of two of the children. The others were either that much older or I'm sure he whatever. Was a, I'm sure he had narcissistic personality yeah. disorder. He was being held in lieu of a $1.1 million bond. and a big flight risk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for first degree murder and first degree arson. Uh, he had a history of angling for an extra dollar, committing sneaky financial crimes, but never anything violent. He'd been convicted of using someone else's social security number. Okay. So he's, you know, doing... Uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, a lot of white collar Fraud, crime. yeah. What, whatever it is when you, you know... Makes it. And the bank had foreclosed on one of his homes. He'd been banned by a judge from having a checking account. Wow. So I've that means... That. Well, that means, from what limited knowledge I have of the situation, is that he wrote so many bad, bad checks, checks... That they banned him. <laughs> you can never have a checking account. That's just shit. Uh, Jeez, Bob, you're a dirtbag. He had a hundred thousand dollar a year job and was uh and as one of the top five managers of the Crown West Realty in Spokane. So he was this realty company was probably apartments and rental age rental buildings and stuff like that. So he was one of the guys he wasn't actually doing the rentals or the sales, but he was one of the ones keeping up the properties and, and doing all that kind of stuff. He admitted to siphoning more than a hundred thousand dollars from the company. And other employees told the police that uh, Wood had stolen gas, equipment, and building materials and used company money to make repairs on his cars. Wow. Yeah. Nothing. No boundaries there, Bob. It's but horrible. Yours so horrible. <laughs> that's, anyway, well, that's that's the story of Bob Wood. And uh, Now, the other thing that is interesting in this is that he was arrested the day either the day of or the day after Christopher came missing by the police for the Crown West stuff. So he was actually in jail for... Okay, let me get this straight. He was arrested the day after Christopher went missing on an unrelated charge to the, from to, all the real estate stuff. Correct. And, and he was actually in jail. Correct. When they were doing all of this. Correct. Unbelievable. Nothing to do with Christopher. Unbelievable. So they actually had him in jail at wow. that point. Wow. <clears throat> wow. That's pretty. All right. That's, that's really, really, that's, really, that's, really, really well, nice All right. Well, that's the tale of Bob Wood. And, yeah. um, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. It was, that's, <laughs> a dark, that's, a, that's a really yeah, dark, a dark one. one. That's a really dark one. But, uh, At any rate, right. uh, uh, be nice people and just leave. If it's not just working leave. out, just leave. Just leave. All right. Yeah, all right. Or more of it. Hoping, obviously, that someday the ass will be. The girl can't have it. She's in love with me.